The identity and the way students of Arab descent is evolved as things should over a period of time. And when you first came, the Iraq War was going on, and then now in 2018, not only the range of students, because we have some uh, students here who are even at refugee status. So, yes. uh, and and they do well because of a certain amount of determination. And inside the current climate there that you can see that determination to not be part of a negative stereotype not necessarily protesting it but I see them in a library that, that there's a certain diligence about their their academics that they approach it that they not only do they see this as opportunity but they see it as being sort of a character witness for others who may be wanting to come as well and uh, so I, I thought that was that was interesting right oh oh boy do I have so much to tell you about like the determination and the hard work that I have witnessed throughout these years and particularly, particularly this last year, the determination among Arab students, no matter what faith has been, has been so uplifting, has been phenomenal. Uh, they ask questions they write when i when i give them in class writing they write like they come up with like two pages they write non-stop they read uh they pretty much read between the lines they want so much to excel like the hard work is so uplifting i fully agree with you i have i have been witnessing that and and like what they're doing is just amazing and i've had some refugee students as well too and you are right anthony it's as if no they they have seen so much pain and suffering in their home countries that they want so much to excel here because you know what happened back home they wanted to excel and that's exactly what happened with me too they wanted to excel they wanted to do so well and very unfortunate circumstances happen to cut their dreams back off. So they come here, they come to Moraine Valley, they come to the United States of America, and they want to do the best that they can. Yeah, yeah, I, I see that a lot. Um, Jahan, you were a student here before you became a professional as well, if I'm not mistaken. I was. I have experience on both sides of the desk as a student as and an employee. In, any uh, observations along the lines of, of what we're talking about that you might want to share? Yeah, I mean, if if you had an opportunity to, I guess, start fresh, you want to win by any any way you have to do it. So yeah, and, and you, they students do work hard. Like I see it all the time when I used to work at the front desk in the library. Some students. Here eight hours look like a work day. So, yeah, they're hardworking, determined. So to turn the uh, conversation one more knob inside of identity, um, part of my research, I've, I talked about um, the shifting identities on an institutional level. And I uh, talked about how the Mexican identity was shifted from census to census based on the need of the, the country at a, a certain point in time. Uh, I also see a lot of similarities because uh, the Arab identity um, 
not necessarily is shifting, but doesn't actually get counted as as Arab on on any census or or either here at, at the college, which for me, uh, being an identity scholar and advocate is is a little interesting to observe, particularly when I see the vibrance of the community and the school in which they're contributing is, you know, it's just interesting. Uh, your thoughts. Okay. All right. I, I really wish that we can be counted as a culture, uh, that I really wish that we can be seen as a people with our own ethnicity and our own cultural background. We love all people, you know, but we, we are our own particular culture and we are our own ethnicity. We have given back to other cultures. We, for the longest time, there was a big dialogue and conversation between our world and the African world. That is a big dialogue, and it has not been studied as often or as much, but it has been there. And so, I mean, even geographically on the map, we are very close to Africa. So that dialogue did create us to be who we are, our culture and our traditions, our ancient culture and our traditions, the call and response culture, the storytelling culture is very huge in both cultures. We gave back to Europe, and Europe also gave back to us. But there is still us, and we do get lost. We really do get lost when we are called something that we are not. We, we become part of another group that we honor and respect, but it would be better if we could be called by our own names because then when you call us by our own names we can then pause to see how this diversity can actually enrich a dialogue instead of blunted so i i look online and on the internet you know with this heated conversation with like <laughs> you get like a thousand comments that are very negative you know and it partly has to do with the way that there's a stereotype of how we are perceived to look. And I want to tell these people, you know, who take offense, we're not asking for a divorce. Oh, no. We're actually asking for a deeper friendship. Because when you look at somebody and call them by who they are, there is now a level of respect that is created. And this level of respect will actually have a greater conversation. A lot of it also comes from the fact that there is a mistaken stereotype that we look a particular way when in reality, in reality, when you look at who we are, we are extremely, extremely diverse in our appearances. So I wish I can tell a certain number of people that if perhaps the people who immigrated to Chicago, the north side, the south side, and its suburbs, they might look a particular kind of way. There are a lot more of us that really capture a very beautiful, diverse mix, not just in looks, but in also cultures. I would agree. And what you were describing in the latter part of your comments 
is something I, I, I think the diversity conversation is passe is kind of a catch term and people kind of know how to use it and then manipulate it around. But what you're talking about, I'm an equity guy, right? And I think equity needs inclusion. And the ultimate inclusiveness is calling someone in, calling them by their name, acknowledging their identity, and then having that identity be part of us. So when when you're not doing that, that is for me, it's exclusion by default, so to speak. But you know, not necessarily in you're not looking at it acrimonially, but in the logistics of it, it's kind of what it is. You know, right. you're calling what it is is. Um, I remember the, I'm a little bit of an older guy and my, um, introduction to what I'll call for lack of a better term, cultural appropriation. And and I did some of those works that I first started reading were, were bell hooks works. And, but you know, those, you know, there's, there's bloggers, writers, authors who have come in the whole generation since a lot of her works. But I do remember, um, as you were talking, I could see the pictures of her, her books and the way she's talked about, um, uh, I wouldn't necessarily call, yeah, it's probably cultural appropriation would be the, the better term for how she looks at a lot of, uh, uh, context. Right. Okay. I, I want to tell you that's the house of wisdom. That is the house of wisdom. When you have a lot of these scholars who created incredibly amazing things, they were scholars who came from that Middle East, uh, Eastern region. They were Persian. They were Arab. They came from a diverse variety of cultural mixes. Okay, so it wasn't just Arab. There were a lot of different nationalities and different faiths. Anthony, they developed a lot, a lot of ideas from in philosophy, in medicine, in math. Unfortunately, unfortunately, there was a time when some of their books were burned. There was a time when some of their books were easily dismissed. And there was a time when people took their ideas and did not give them credit. There is a gentleman um, who has written a book called Lost History about that time, about, you know, basically how a lot of these scholars, they're not in common everyday way of thinking. A lot of these people people just brush them off. They don't think about them. They're probably not aware of them, or they probably, if they know about them, they're not giving them credit. And that is so unbelievably unfair, because long before Darwin, there was Al-Jahith. There were a lot of different people who were contributing so many different things. The um, In chemistry labs, we have instruments in a chemistry lab and they were developed by Jabir ibn Hayyan from a long time ago. Thankfully for al-Khawarizmi he is acknowledged as as having made significant developments in algebra but Troy Swanson who looked into philosophy quite a bit he was amazed when he found out that Muslim scholars were skipped in the curriculum. And these Muslim scholars like Ibn Sina and Al-Kindi, they gave back so much to philosophy. And in fact, Muslim scholars translated a lot of 
beautiful Greek works, and they acknowledged it came from the Greeks. It came from uh, from Hindu cultures, from Indians, from Persian cultures. They acknowledged it, but they uh, to go back to philosophy when they um, translated philosophy, they added on to it. They did not just translate; they added more. That's big cultural appropriation right there and then. There are other uh, examples from modern day times that are rather painful, but I, I will just you know focus on the House of Wisdom for, the, for now. So uh, kind of bringing that full circle back to today, um, inside of that acknowledgement that you're talking about, whether it's your scholarship as your identity or um, whether it's just being counted in and acknowledged of who you are in a certain space is, is kind of interesting. And uh, I'm a strong advocate for uh, the Arab identity beings uh, because you can you can wrap services. You can you can allow them to have the voice. They can participate in the ways they want to use that information for their own advocacy. And, and so I, I would really it'd be great to see that. Yes. Oh, yes. OK. Yeah. Um, Anthony, I I would absolutely love for my Arabic students to continue being proud of their home heritage, to be aware uh, of the details. A few of them, let me tell you, when I have mentioned uh, these scholars, House of Wisdom scholars, they were not aware of them, but that's all right. Now is the time. Now is the time to educate. I will continue writing plays. I will continue during Spring Festival. Uh, the theater department has very graciously created robes and turbans so that students can dress up as Arabic scholars and take pictures. I will continue to raise awareness through lectures, through having students participate in dressing up in costumes writing plays. Uh, the grant will end next year, spring 2019, but I will continue. I will continue trying to raise awareness as much as possible because the more people know about their culture, the more they know their heritage, the more they have something concrete that they can hold onto and be able to converse with and be able to wrap and create a, an even richer and deeper identity around Fantastic. I, I remember occasionally folks say that uh, um, inside of the enumeration around uh, the Arab culture that um, inside of a counter to doing it that maybe um, they might feel profiled and it's all in the way it's done. So if you're enumerating them for their benefit and, and, and approaching it that way, then there's no need to feel profiled because everybody else gets to participate in a census counting without feeling, or, or hopefully, you know, yes. hopefully the Department of Labor is doing it right well enough for them not to feel profiled. But so there, there, there's always, you know, a, a point of resistance. But I think the benefit for it, and I, I don't really think the community being enumerated would feel profiled if it was done in a, in a manner that uh, and most other folks get a chance to experience enumeration. Yes, exactly. Highlight something that is not usually highlighted, which is the incredible goodness, the incredible intelligence that came out and continues to come out of that culture. I see what you mean, Anthony, when you say that, you know, that the community might feel like 
whoa, you know, it's being singled out. But but you're right. If it is, if the good is being highlighted, then why not? And then also, uh, when I give these lectures, I try my best to stress. It's not just, okay, though it may have come out of the Middle East, it was a culture that was in dialogue with the Greek and Persian and Indian culture and African cultures. And it was also a culture that not only took, added, but it also gave back. So it's a world culture at the end of the day. You can be anybody, anybody, and feel proud of the House of Wisdom Scholars, just like you can be proud of Chinese scholars the scholars that came out of Africa, the amazing kings uh, that came out of uh, Africa, the beautiful scholarship that, that came out of China, and the Renaissance as well, too. One more thing I did want to say, um, I liked what you said about the way that you approach your students in the classroom, treating them as individuals, and I think that's, that's what makes you a leader here at Moraine Valley, because not a lot of teachers come in with that been listening to NBCC POV Voices from the Valley. This episode of NBCC POV was produced and edited by AWD PhD with music by Lakey Inspire. Thanks to the NBCC Library for supporting the podcast.